Hey, welcome to our first show on KCAA. That's right, it's John Princhy. KCAA. Well, that means, and now I'm on radio. <laughs> it's a DJ voice. Yeah. You know what KCAA means? Keep comedy always alive. <laughs> That's right. I get to interview the top comedians in the world. I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, the great thing about this is that these guys make a great living. You know how they make a living? Making people laugh. That's right. Laugh. As a stand-up comedian. And they also get to work on major TV shows and films with top stars. Like, hmm, who did they work with the past 19 shows? Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah. Are they best friends with people like major, huge stars? Like Kevin Hart? Yes. Steve Martin? Yes. I can go on and on. Do they work with Johnny Carson, Jimmy Kimmel? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Letterman? Yes. See? That's the great thing about my show is you get to hang out and hear these sto- stories from these guys that are sometimes best friends. Tom Jason, my last show, was best friends with David Letterman, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Carson. Just don't get that anymore. See, the great thing about here is you get to listen, laugh, learn, and live through their lives. Cool, huh? You know, Larry David, if he was here right now, he'd go, uh, that's pretty. Pretty, pretty good. I'd like to be here. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Sand was, of course, Sandfell would go, That's right. No messing around. Make a laugh, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just love being here, guys. It's, um, and I think this, the scary thing is that it's, it's, it's March and it doesn't feel like that. I mean, to, to, to me, it feels like Christmas was a few weeks ago. Am I right, folks? Christmas. That was three months ago. <laughs> Time goes fast. So you got to keep positive. Just laugh through life and you will feel better. That's how it goes. Just laugh at things. I know some things you can't laugh at, but you know what? Screw it anyways and just laugh. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm laughing at myself. So, but, um, yeah, again, that's why we have a great comedian today who has, uh, he's made a living in stand-up comedy. I mean, to make a living in stand-up comedy, these guys, um, very hard the past 15, 16 years. It's extremely hard. Um, you know, what calls bring a rooms, you bring people, if you get, bring five people, you get five minutes, 10 people, 10 minutes. Really? Really? Back in the 70s and 80s, uh, it was not like that. So um, these are the people that we talked to. But uh, this gentleman we have today uh, has been doing stand-up comedy. Uh, he's uh, acting, directing, and now producing. And you've seen him on major TV shows. Uh, let's see. CSI Miami? Yeah, he was on that. JAG? Yep. Walker, Texas Ranger? Yes, that's one of my favorite shows. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? 
<laughs> with Will Smith? Yes. <laughs> and 45 more credits to his life. <laughs> so, so, welcome everybody. Greg Travis. Yay. Hey. <laughs> How you doing, Greg? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. So, you listed my TV credits, but actually I've got a lot more uh, film credits that uh, are probably a little more impressive than Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> but I like that. But to my, uh, you can throw some one of the fun sure. things that I did was <laughs> I got to fight. I had to, had a, I, I was a bad guy on Walker, Texas Ranger, and I, I actually got to fight Chuck Norris at the end of the movie really? and come <laughs> at him with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Really? They gave me a fake chainsaw to fight him with. And, of course, he kicks it out of my hand and, you know, ends up beating me up. But uh, he had a double. Texas he had a, Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. He had a double, a younger guy that was absolutely a dead ringer for, for him. I mean, he was his really? stunt double. Oh, really? He could kick higher and he'd jump higher and do all the stuff. But, I mean, the guy looked like his son. It was so weird. And they just <laughs> found this guy. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. But he wore the stretch jeans instead of the regular jeans so he could kick. <laughs> Stretchies. Stretchy Spand- jeans, yeah. Spandex jeans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was it. We, were, we shot that in an uh, uh, airplane hangar in the middle of July in Texas. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so humid and hot. Everybody was dying. And I was wearing black polyester. Ah, which is not good for humidity. <laughs> now, let me ask you, so you know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of cool comedians come in here and they always like to tell me, they always start off, where were you born and how? <laughs> Actually, I was born in Dallas. Um, I'm from Dallas originally. And oh, really? uh, yeah, I grew up hey. in uh, North Dallas and mm-hmm. started uh, doing uh, magic shows. I got interested in magic at a very early age. And really? then I started doing little uh, birthday parties and little shows as a magician. Okay. And that's how I kind of got into show business. And uh, and then in school, I got into the drama department and theater and all that. Now, isn't but, it funny? Uh, Judy Carter said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know Judy? Yeah, she started, Judy, yeah. yeah, she started doing stand-up. Um, magic. Magic. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I yeah. started getting a stand-up comedy after that. Isn't yeah. That funny? Yeah, and I, I, I did some... Um, comedy magic routines mm-hmm. which kind of led me into comedy i was always a big fan of comedy but i did like the world's oldest magician where i had this old man mask and i would come out like <laughs> really? creeping around as like the really slow moving and all of the tricks were just ridiculously <laughs> stupid and you know i'd like a i'd fold a newspaper into the shape of a hat and just put it on and stand there and look at the audience <laughs> you know stupid stuff like that oh my god okay yeah. make yeah. me laugh with your magician i'm an old man yeah and then eventually i became famous for a bit called the punk magician which i did in my stand-up act as a closer um which was on hbo and showtime and that was a real popular bit where i played an english punk rocker Oh, really? He was a magician, <laughs> and he would just assault the audience with, uh, you know, spray <laughs> cards on them, and you know, f you, it's magic. I'm fooling you, and you don't like it, you know, and yell at him and scream at him. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Thank you for saying we can't swear on this. So thank you yeah, for yeah. f you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> no swearing, but now that's funny. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, a lot of people remember the punk magician <laughs> from Showtime and HBO. Yeah. Now you know I talked about this in my many shows that. Um, uh, my parents, uh, dad was a old fashioned doctor, you know, and, uh, very stubborn. Oh, John, work for a living. Put the dollar in your pocket. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Do the comedy, but make money from it. But my mom, 
uh, hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. And she's an old-fashioned uh, Turkish lady. I come from a Turkish-Italian kind of background. Mm-hmm. And she's hysterical. And she's still funny. And um, all that. Were your parents and brothers... Yeah, my funny, my they... mother they were um Irish and Scottish and yeah, both my mom and my dad had kind of uh, uh outgoing personalities. You yeah. Know? Yeah. What what yeah. did what'd your dad do for a living? My dad well they were in the uh first they were in the health studio business. Uh they actually worked together, uh and then they got into the health food business. Oh wow. And so they had health food stores back in Dallas and um it was back in the 80s, 70s? 60s. 60, wow. Yeah, 60s. they were the first, really? one of the first health food stores in Dallas, and then they had a chain of about three or four of them. And, uh, wow. And then Nobody before that, they had they the health did. studios, which was a workout facility. And in those days, they would have a men's day and a women's day. And so my mother would run the women's day and dad <laughs> really? would run the men's day. Yeah, they didn't have co-ed. You know, men would come one day and then the women would come another day because... Uh, they, uh, that was the did, way it was. And that was in the early 60s, like they make, 60, 61, yeah. Do they make people, like, you know, smoke pot before they get it and then, and then want to come over and eat and everything? And, you know, back in the 60s, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it wasn't really as prevalent as they make it out to be. But they used to come in and buy in the health food store and buy, like, uh, some, hey, kind of, some kind of, like, a... Um, Oh, uh, something that like a, a, a tea that looked like pot and they would cut the pot with the tea, you know, like really? an oregano <laughs> kind of looking stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I forget what it was, but yeah, the hippies would come in the health food store all the time. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I want some health food. And they did, re- they really did have women that had the growth under their arms and like were <laughs> really? looking kind of raggedy. Yeah. Very yeah. manly. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a thing back then. Oh my God! So your so your brother and what about your brothers and sisters? Really? I have a sister and uh, she's also in the business. She's a pretty well known actress and uh, really, yeah, she came out uh, she's a little sister and so she came out about seven years after I did. Okay, what's what's and her name? Stacy Travis. Okay, yeah. what has she been in? Oh God, a lot of stuff. She did a, the uh, remake of the series The Love Boat. She was one of the leads in that. Really? Uh, she was a lead in a movie called Hardware science fiction film in the early 80s mm-hmm. it was her first big break and uh she's done a ton of work ton of ton of shows tv shows mostly okay uh, but a lot of movies as well and she is also in my uh current movie called dark seduction okay she plays laura and it's kind of like the veronica lake role you know with the blonde hair and the beautiful uh the beautiful ex-wife of the <laughs> detective is what she plays yeah <clears throat> Yeah. So she's has she actually made a living doing it? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. She's uh, done quite well, and uh, she's still working from time to time. Wow. She's married with kids now, so oh, she's okay. got a lot going on there. But uh, okay. Yeah, she still works. She's very much involved with the uh, SAG union. She's one of the board members. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So has she ever done stand-up comedy? Your, no, your she never. She was more of a singer. A singer. Yeah. Yeah. She was a singer. karaoke queen. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I do karaoke all the time, man. I'm yeah, she could have easily had a singing career, but she wanted to be an actress. But she's a really fine singer too. Yeah, yeah. But you know, some singers go into acting, and some actors try yeah. to do singing. But uh, I, it's hard because you know, you got to focus in on one thing. There's so much of everything now. Yeah, uh, that yeah. it's 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 a little more difficult to. To branch out and do all these different things. But remember back in the 60s and 70s when the actors would do like an album 
and you'd see the actor's album, and they'd be yeah. like, they would basically <laughs> talk songs and have a full orchestra, but yeah. they would just be like, you know, so popular on a TV show that they could sell an album of them <laughs> doing poetry or whatever the hell. It you was. know who did that? <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> you know who did that? Um, William Shatner. Yeah. Yeah. We said it today. <laughs> I'm now going to do. And Lauren poems Green from Bonanza sing. did an album, <laughs> yeah. I think. You it's know? like Captain Kirk doing poem, poems. You know, little by little, I'm here on the ship. But when we're going to now talk about your. No, that's okay. <laughs> Spock, Scotty. So, turn the record over. Yeah. Turn, turn it over. The record over. Watch your needle now. <laughs> Scotty! Captain. So I know I remember they watched the scene there like like forty years ago, like seventy five, seventy four it came out, you know. And didn't Jackie Gleason just do? Uh, he had his picture on the cover of the albums, and it was just orchestra music. It was like Jackie like Gleason's that, yeah. Love Tunes and you know, or Love Shack or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was just like music with Jackie Gleason look, you know, on the cover of the record. Yeah, it was really silly. So who inspired you to make others laugh? Oh, gosh. You know, I grew up at a great time in the 70s. Uh, I was in high school in the 70s when, uh, you know, we had Richard Pryor right. and Steve Martin. That's right. George Carlin was a huge influence. Right. From junior high on, I was a Carlin fan. Wow. And uh, when his first two records came out, and I collected all those comedy albums, I was very much into the... And Albert Brooks was a big influence. I love really? Albert, Albert Brooks. Brooks huh? Oh, yeah. Really? His comedy albums were quite unique, and he was very I didn't funny. know he was that big in stand-up comedy He did Albert. a lot of television shows early on. I remember seeing him in that Odd Couple. And he did like the Can flip He did all these variety 70s. shows back in the early 70s. With He had this ventriloquist dummy that he did where he would have the dummy drink the water. Okay. While he sang a song, you know, oh, it was really? completely ridiculous. But he had some really funny bits and a very funny guy. I got to meet him a couple of times. I actually got his number from one of his old girlfriends. And um, so I called him up one day and I said, Albert, this is Greg Travis. You don't really know me that well, but I wanted to talk to you about this script that I have. And he goes, how'd you get the number? <laughs> I go, what? He goes, how'd you get the number? I go, oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. He goes, no, no, you'd want to know too. You'd want to know too. That's right. That's, right. That's how he talks to you. Yeah. It's a pretty good impression. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that does impressions, but he does good impressions. Okay, that's good. Actually, Rick Overton, which is, oh, by yeah, the way, Rick does great impressions. By the way, Rick Overton was uh, one of my guests back in uh, November, and he's the one that told me about Greg today. And I've known Rick yeah, for 10 go years. Way back, yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, yeah, he, he slept he, on my sofa when he first came out to L.A., yeah. He was from New York. Isn't amazing? Yeah. yeah. Isn't he? I've and known him for forever. He's doing um, <clears throat> he's doing very huge right now. He, yeah, uh, he's doing really well. I just talked to him yesterday, and uh, Tom Jason is, um, is uh, and Rick said this, Tom Jason is working on um, uh, Jim Carrey's movie, I'm Dying Up Here. Mm-hmm. And um, Rick is in that. He's playing one of the, I guess, a manager or something like that. Oh, good. Tom is one of the consultants. Tom Jesus is there. And I told uh, Tom that, um, you know, Jim Carrey was one of my first major influences in stand-up comedy. This is back in the 80s because mm-hmm. all I did was impressions. I just loved doing impressions. I still do it. Yeah. Big YouTube videos and things like that. I have one call actually called The First Impression. I walk up to people on the street and have them see if they can do impressions. I'm the only one that does this. I looked everywhere on YouTube. And if they can't do it, I tell them how to. And mm-hmm. if they can, it's funny. If they can't, 
It's even funnier. All right, right. Jim Mother do it, so it's called the first impression. Oh, really Jim funny. Carrey is amazing. Yeah, Jim Carrey is freaking amazing, man. He's so great, and he's uh, inspirational. I'm actually talking to him about being on my show, so I will know in the next uh, month or so. I'm actually talking to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he's good, uh, good. Yeah, he is very cool, man. He's into motivational speaking right now, and okay, I love that. I love that. So <clears throat> when you, when you started doing your when you did your first act. Were you scared, nervous? Where did you go? Did you start? Was it open mics and crap like that back then? Yeah, the first time I did it, I followed an Elvis impersonator, which was not a not a great thing oh to God. do, and wow. with a full band. You wow. know, you learn early on don't follow a band because mm-hmm. when they sing and they've got a full band going, it just sort of like kills the room for comedy for some reason. Really, a couple of times in my career, I've had to follow a band. And it's death because the audience is in a different frame of mind when they hear in the music and yeah, they get all jazzed right. up to dance or that's they right. get all. Yeah. The, you've got to open for a band. That's why comedians always open for a band. They don't ever follow a band, but when they have a band and then they try to stick a comedian in the middle of it, it never works. It's a disaster. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you're right. So the first you're couple right. of times I did it, it was a pretty disastrous thing. I wasn't, wasn't that I was that nervous. It was just the circumstances that I was in, like, you know, I would go up at the improv and I would be like first guy up. Oh yeah. So the audience is cold. Right. And, right. You know, right. or something like that. So, but I kept auditioning at the improv on audition night and the comedy store. With Bud Friedman. Uh, Bud there? Friedman and Mitzi. And, uh, in those days, this is back in the seventies. They, right? yeah. I don't think they showed up for audition night. They probably not. They didn't have the, patience they had some other guys that worked for them that ran those nights right but if you were good enough that was the thing you'd get an audition on another like a tuesday or wednesday you'd get a guest set and they would look at you and see if you know they thought you were good enough for a regular spot during the week in the club and so uh actually um got booked on a tv show while i was still on audition night about six months into it really and uh yeah and so that got me which one uh it was called america search for tomorrow <clears throat> stars it was like a precursor to, to uh, star search it was kind of a audience voting machine kind of a thing where mm-hmm. you, they would call in and vote and they'd have two comics and two singers and two bands and really yeah yeah so it was how uh, long was it on i didn't even heard it, it was just a special this was just oh, a one-time oh. variety special and then later on, they did Star Search, but this was kind of the beginning of that, you know, yeah, that I idea. Remember and so uh, that got me started. And then uh, I did a lot of the talk shows back in those days. And Merv Griffin, Dinah Shore. Uh, really? You did all that? Did all that, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great. And then, great. Um, yeah, about a year after, I middled at the beginning of the club uh, scene when it was first starting in the uh, late 79, 80. Mm-hmm. And then by 81, I was pretty much headlining. And then I did that for about 15 years, 16, 17 years straight. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was headlined, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All over the world. I opened for Cher and Tom Jones, Dolly Parton. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Big amphitheaters. Yeah, I did all that. Wow. So. Yeah, I was a, I was a pretty top <clears throat> uh, booked headliner uh-huh. in the comedy club scene. You know, I had a very good, successful club act. It wasn't as, I mean, it wasn't that it was dirty, but it was just, it was more of a club act than it was a TV safe 
kind of thing. Right. And right. so it worked really well in the clubs. And back then you made good money, didn't you? Yeah, I made then. pretty good money back then. Not like what they're doing now. Those guys that go in for the weekend and make twenty grand in one weekend. Oh, the we big, weren't doing that, big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But those yeah, are draw yeah. names. And, those are big names. Yeah, though. big names can do that. And, now that uh, you don't make, that but much there's money some guys that have their own following that can go in and and and, and fill up the room, right, and right. get the door. You know, well, they that's how Dane Cook got started, as you know. He, you know, back then, he yeah, was, um, my MySpace. Yeah, but they, I'm talking way before Dane Cook. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was, yeah. I mean, if you have a draw and you can <clears> fill up the room, you can do quite well. You can do quite well in the clubs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm getting back into it a little bit. I mean, I've been, uh, after I kind of, uh, got out of it, I started acting and then I, um, I had a pretty good run about a good 15 year run as a character actor. Right. And, uh, now I'm making films and I've got a production company and I've done three features so far and, um, did one little reality show called drama Kings that's on, uh, YouTube. Mm hmm under drama kings and um and then i did a couple of short films and but we've got three features the one that's on itunes is called midlife uh that's the most recent one yeah and that's about a um a salesman it's kind of like death of a salesman a modern version of death right, of a right, salesman right. he's got two ex-wives and a daughter and his job is about to he's about to lose his job and it's right. you know it's a sort of a midlife crisis story now we can talk about that <clears throat> excuse me a little bit later on oh, but, okay. but um so, so so people don't forget. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, tell us now this. I love hearing these stories about working with with people like Cher and things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, Tom Jason was talking when you people. Everybody listen to all my shows. You have to listen to Tom's and Rick Overton's is one of the best. Yeah, and Tom has a lot of Sinatra oh stories. God. Didn't he oh, open man. for Sinatra for like ten years? Fourteen. Fourteen. 14 years. Wow. But he was talking about that. What was it really quick? What was it like? Um, I know you're probably nervous when you first started doing stand-up comedy and things like that. Um, really quick, how long did it take you to, to write your material? And did you do 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, then? I had about, when I did that TV show, I had about 15 minutes worth of material. Okay, and then how did quickly, you write I, I, well, I just tried whatever I thought of, you know. I, I had the opportunity to try it out at the improv and, so I developed an act pretty quickly and, um, you know, eventually. So you were on the, stage like four or five times a week kind of thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Op- was it open mics and things? Or no, it was like, it was. Comedy, the, actual. Back then, the improv, just, you know, there was the weekly spots and there would be like me. Um, uh, I had one of the opening spots, I think, uh, for about a year. It was like, um, oh, I'm spacing out on the guy's names, but. Mm-hmm. um okay. Oh man. Anyway, uh, there was a few of us that would have that like first three or four spots every night. And oh, so wow. we got a chance to really develop that's our material. Great. Yeah. So you yeah. can't get that now. It's, no, you can't get see, that now. You get like one or two spots a week. And if, that's you're yeah, <laughs> if, if you're, you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. And if you bring people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they wouldn't have any of the bringer stuff. That that that's like a new thing. That's more of a rock and roll type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. They do that. They yeah. do that for bands too. Yeah. So your big big break was that 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 that, that uh, special that you did. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that was your big first. So and then um so people saw you on that show. What was the name of the show again? Uh Search for Tomorrow Search Stars. Search for Tomorrow yeah. Stars, okay. Um <clears throat> so you got into that. Really quick, was it what what are some cool stories working uh let's see with Cher and and, and, and the other guys you worked with? Yeah, well they had the uh, the tour they had uh, all of her dancers and her director and her um choreographer and all those people were 
were gay. And so all, really? of, yeah, oh. and so all huh. of the band, like it's a big surprise, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> really? Kidding. really? You're kidding? Really? They were gay? Oh my god! You mean like homosexual gay? <laughs> oh, <Hello>, sure. <laughs> but uh, and so, tramps and thieves. But okay, the band, <laughs> the band was all straight, and so they had two different buses. They had the gay bus and the straight bus. I swear to God, and Cher really? would travel with the gay bus. You know? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Because, of course, they worshipped, you know, they'd, uh-huh. like, sit there at her feet, and, you know, she was the queen. <laughs> Sarah, we yeah. love you. Oh, Sarah, oh, my God. <laughs> and she was kind of like... See, uh, this, see, I love, see, I love hearing these stories because I never would have known that. Two buses. Yeah. Gay and straight. Right, yeah. For Cher. Yeah, for Cher. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she uh, she was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, she, she pretty cool? Yeah. She kind of was aloof, kind of like a... Oh, I don't know. She was like a high school teacher. You know, she was the boss. Okay. And kind of, okay. Uh, you know, had a kind of a bossy attitude about everybody. But, you know, also now down, this is, this a little what, bit down to earth and cool. Was Sunny with you too? Or no, 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 no. This okay. is way after Sunny. And, uh, oh, you know, she okay, had her okay. own career. Oh, that's right. That's you know, right. she dumped Sunny and, that's right, uh, you know, that's started right. her own thing. Yeah, that you're right. I even that, think she had her own uh, TV show, I the Share yeah. show, yeah, for a yeah, long time. Yeah. But and who, uh, and who's the other one that you? She, the, her son that she she was I think married to Greg Allman for a while, right. and the son they had together was on the tour. He was like fourteen. Okay, Elijah Blue, remember right. Elijah yeah, Blue? That's right. Yeah, Just Elijah you never Blue. Hear about him anymore. Right. right. Yeah, he was on the tour, and uh, and who was the other the major one that, that you said? Was another major person that you worked. Oh, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Dolly Parton. Yeah. I love Tom Jones. Tom, I did a couple of Greek theaters uh, with him, and uh, I think one other venue with him, but. Uh, yeah, that was, God, you know, Tom you just Jones, don't see, man, I, I mean, you, they're, they're doing their thing and you're the opening act. Okay. You don't really get to hang you with them hang that with much. Them, no? no, because you got your own dressing room. Um, the one share story that was really funny is I, I, I got, um, a, a real, I had a real hard time cause it took 45 minutes to put the show together. They were running late 45 minutes. I mean, wow. uh, one of the, one of the setups. And so the audience was really upset really ain't antsy and they threw me out there without an introduction oh wow and they just started booing immediately and so i had oh. no nothing to do nowhere to go so anyway i did it the best i could i did about 10 minutes and then i started doing the punk magician and then finally i said i'm not leaving until everybody boos and so I, <laughs> a whole stadium boo so i threw the mic down and then i took off and then later i found out oh cnn was there Oh no! And they did a whole story about you know Cher's opening comedian getting booed off stage. Really? Oh, yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> um, and so um, anyway, the next night that we did an amphitheater, I came out as David Bowie. Oh really? I did a David Bowie impression with the whole getup and the wig and everything. Oh my god! And they just went crazy. And they thought it was David Bowie when I first walked out. And then I stumped my toe on a speaker and started hopping off the stage on one foot like Jerry Lewis. (laughs) David Bowie, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So uh, that that kind of cool. got me back into good favor but yeah working the amphitheater, control the major tom working that i had a i had a parody song called space monkey that i did you know space monkey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty fun but uh yeah i did a lot of crazy stuff back is your act on youtube yeah 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 i've got a lot of uh, yeah. to watch it yeah it's greg there. l travis is my youtube channel okay. yeah yeah i've got a lot of a I lot of watch, YouTube i gotta bit. watch that yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah 
My gosh. So Tom Jones is pretty cool. Yeah, I love Tom Jones. Tom was great. His his famous line was, uh, I do no daytime activities. <laughs> I do no daytime activities. No daytime activities. Yeah. Oh, do you play golf, Tom? No, I do no daytime activities. <laughs> I just hang out. That's all I do. Have some whiskey and, uh, you know, be with my broads. Yeah. <laughs> he had a wife. Of course, he was a player. And, uh, of course. You know, Tom Jones, all the women wanted him. They would throw their panties at him on That's stage. That's right, yeah. And, uh, but he had this... Welch wife that he had had forever mm-hmm. that you know obviously knew what was going on, and, uh, but would, <laughs> my Welsh wife. he always went back to her, you know, yeah, he always stayed with her. Wow, know? yeah, and I remember, I remember watching Tom Jones back, yeah, back in the 70s, and my mom would is watch it. Is he still alive? Is Tom still yes, alive? yes, he yeah. still is, yeah. yeah. I met a couple of guys who know him mm-hmm. uh, over the years, and he said they were very nice. They know his son. Yeah, his son. Hung yeah, out with his son. Yeah. Very nice. His son is his manager. Right. So hung out with him and everything. So, but yes, it was very, very cool, you know. Now, it's hard to get parts in TV and film, as you know, um, but it seems like I was going to ask you, did your stand-up comedy help? Because most people think that comedians can't act. But they um, can. I think that's. Did it help you back then? Yeah, I mean, because you got It depends on what you're you doing, but I mean, I wanted to do dramatic work. I wanted to be able to do some dramatic work as an actor, and so I was finding that all I was getting is sitcoms and in uh, comedy-related acting jobs for a long time. Mm-hmm. Even in movies, it was mostly comedy. And so you didn't like that too much because I, I, I loved, liked it I okay. Comedy, yes, yeah, it I liked it okay, and I love comedy. I love doing it, um, and I'm really good at it. But longevity as an actor, m- there's more opportunity in the dramatic field if you can do straight characters and if you can play it for real. Uh, that's what a lot of comedians have trouble with. They mm. they 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 bring a certain comedic persona with them and so that doesn't always translate when we're trying to create a reality within this show or this movie wow um it's kind of a hard thing to explain but yeah Yeah, a lot of casting directors have problems with comedians sometimes when you get into those little offices it's not as uh easy as you would think to be relaxed and to just do the audition in a in a in a perfect way I mean, I could perform for 3,000 people, but when I get in the front of that little casting director, right. she'd absolutely make me crazy. Yeah, yeah. They get, yeah. They, they have, it takes a while to get over that. They have that. an attitude sometimes. They throw an attitude. Well, it just... Sometimes on purpose. They yeah. Do, just to see how you're going to react. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of casting directors. They and, have um, their favorites. They cool. have people that they, they <clears throat> continue to work with. And exactly. You've got to kind of prove yourself to them for them to keep bringing you in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, but they can be nerve-wracking. It can be really intimidating sometimes. Yeah. What's one of the most intimidating auditions you had and that you won? Um, just, um, well, not so much intimidating, but um, there was a few that were really nerve-wracking where I was going up for big, I can't remember their names now. This is like back in the 80s, but really, really big casting directors for real, you know, at Disney and, Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, a deal where I was going to play the Robin Williams role in the uh, Good Morning Vietnam show. Really? Wow. So I went in for a couple of screen tests for Movie, that. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, it's based on the movie, but they were going to do a TV show based oh, on really? the Good Morning Vietnam movie. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. And okay. so I was up for that part. And hmm. uh, then we had the writer's strike that came along uh, right. a couple of weeks later and right. killed all those shows. So that was like uh, was one that of again? my big breaks. I like, mm, can't remember. Mm, this was sort of later 80s, like maybe 87, oh, 88, really? okay. somewhere in there. Okay. I think. And so, uh, See, yeah, it was a big opportunity and the, and the writer's strike sort of messed it all up. But that was one of the, you know, there's been so many of those things where you're just on the cusp of making the big bucks and getting into a big show yeah. and then something crazy will happen and uh, uh-huh. screw it all up. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets depressing, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it can. Yeah. It does. It can. Does. I think go, the key to go it home is and go, any of the, any of this stuff in show business, the key to survival is just take it with a grain of salt. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy. You're right. And there's so many people that just take every audition. Like it's the end right. of the world. I don't at all. Being a comedian is a blessing because you just, it's water off a duck's back. You really have to just go, well, yeah. I try. I mean, as long as you're honest with yourself and go, I really did the best I could. You know, exactly. there's times where I know I didn't do the best I could have. You know, I didn't have the material down as well as I should right, have. Right, of course, yeah. I just right. kind of skated through the audition. And of course, I didn't get it because I didn't want it, you know, or I wasn't trying hard enough. Right, right, right. But the ones you really want, you got to work extra hard for and be the best and stand out as the best you know yeah but the like i said those are the good old days and the audiences are, are, are they're, di- they're different now you know i mean very young i, I do shows all the time and mm-hmm. <clears throat> it depends on where i'm going but 99 percent of the time the, everyone's in the 20s yeah you know yeah 20s early 30s and i have to i have to write my show compared to them mm-hmm. even though stuff i really don't want to do you know, but sometimes they do my older, old, old guys like Robert De Niro and sometimes I'll throw in Scarface. Oh, you mean as far as impressions, impressions and newer, and newer people that newer, they know. Right. Then I'll yeah. throw in some newer people, but sometimes I'll know the old right. ones. My whole point is I like doing things that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And Tom Dreesen actually said this. He says, John, just go and do what you want to do. If they like you, great. If not, too bad. You yeah. know, but um, in a way that makes sense. But another way, yeah, you gotta you gotta change it to to what they can say. So I'll throw in, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll throw in like you know, Seth Rogen, <laughs> you know, everyone knows him and that kind of thing. And um, but yeah, it was just kind of um, it's kind of different back then. Yeah, I used to do some impressions. I did. Uh... Peter O'Toole and Peter O'Toole. If God <laughs> could do the tricks that I could do, he'd be a happy man. <laughs> and one of my favorite, I was one I did. Uh, uh, James Mason, if he was cast as the part of Moe in the Three Stooges, <laughs> James Mason is Moe. Larry, Curly, I'm going to have to poke you both in the eyes very hard. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Now let's scram, fellas. <laughs> That's good, man. James Mason. That's I'm good. looking for a small girl James named Lolita. <laughs> James Mason. Yes, Lolita. Let me do your toenails, darling. It's yes. <laughs> good, man. I know. I said that was good. Then I read, now Rick, now you. <laughs> so you're killing me. You're killing me. You're, you're freaking killing me here. You. Of course, Jack Nicholson was a. I think I did uh, Jack oh, Nicholson, yeah. Peter O'Toole, and Marlon Brando having cocktails in Bel Air. 
<laughs> and uh, I would go back to Marlon Brando. I am not. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Look at that dumb to my boy. Uh, I can't remember what I said. (laughs) Doesn't matter. You got the voice down. Jack. Hey, Peter, tell Marlon I'm not going. So really quick, what was your best TV shows? And uh, uh, two questions really quick. What is the best TV show and movies you did? And who was the coolest major star you worked with? And was he funny? Well, the movies were... uh, Showgirls and Starship Troopers with um, the director Paul Verhoeven, and uh, I really had nice parts in those two, and uh, really enjoyed working with uh, Paul. Paul. And also David Lynch, Lost Highway was a fun oh, I had a small Lynch, part, yeah, yeah working with uh, David Lynch. Huh. And um, yeah, lots and lots of movies. I mean, all of them are different, and all of them are fun. And uh, what's memorable though? Like, what makes you think, oh my God? Like, I just did a small little no act. I mean. No lines. Well, those two, yeah, those two were. In Jersey Boys, I talked about this a few oh, times. Oh, you did? A couple, yeah. Of, a couple, yeah, a couple yeah. years ago came out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I see myself on TV. I mean, TV, yeah, HBO, in the movies. And uh, out of the hundreds of people, uh, Clint Eastwood picked mm-hmm. uh, eight people. Out of the eight, they picked like two or three main guys. And I was like the, the main guy. Mm-hmm. So it was like very cool. Yes, I asked for a couple lines. They were supposed to give it to me, but they said, no. No, no, kid. So <laughs> I got to hang out with Clint Eastwood and Christopher Walken, you know. Hey, hi, tough guy. Yeah. So, but it was really, that's something I'll know forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really quick, what comes into your mind? Like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did this movie or I did this TV show. Well, I did a movie with James Caan and uh, got to have a nice scene with him. And that was pretty memorable. And in the David Lynch film, uh, Robert Loggia, I was working with him, who's oh. a great old character actor. Yeah, and, uh, he passed away. Yeah. yeah, he just recently passed mm-hmm. away. Yeah, but away, that yeah. was a lot of fun working with him and so many big names. I I worked with Clint on a little thing too, and mm-hmm. uh, so many. Uh, yeah, I, too many to really uh, you know go into, but um, yeah, a lot of. Uh, so nothing really stands out like oh, oh my god. Well, um, you know, <clears> I mean, um, I guess. Working with, um, you know, getting to meet Jack Nicholson, I guess, was the big high point. And I got to meet him at the Governor's Ball. Oh, really? At the Academy Awards one time and talked with him. Oh, wow. Bit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we were crossing paths and we kept uh-huh. going back and forth. And he goes, all right, what do you want? So <laughs> I kept getting in his <laughs> way. Are you, are you like, that yeah. comedian? Yeah, man. you're that guy. You're you know. that guy, man. But he was cool. And I also met him at another restaurant. And then I got to meet Sean Connery there. Oh, really? Sean Connery. Yeah, that Connery. was cool. I just shake his hand and say hi and whatever. Wow. But uh, he was a big hero of mine when I was a kid. Oh, my James God. Bond, Bond, yeah. James Bond. Yes, of course, Money yes. Penny. Yes. yes. Rick, Rick does a great thing. Yeah, he does a great Bond. Yes. Bond, James Bond. So really quick, uh, here we're going to go into what we call the bad part of comedy. Uh, comedians have pretty tough lives. What are... What are some of the bad things uh, that you want to go through? Do you have any heavy issues with health, alcohol, drugs, family matters? Oh, sure. You know, on the road during the 80s and 90s, there was lots of drugs and lots of alcohol. I mean, we got free booze at the club every night. So, wow. you know, you're always going right. to have a, a gin and tonic or a vodka tonic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in between the two shows and then a couple afterwards to kind of chill out. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of pot and, you know, a lot of Coke back in those days. I mean, I would have people come up and just drop a gram in my pocket 
just for doing a good show and really they were probably a dealer or something and they would just pop a little bit in my pocket and and then and you, you know <laughs> the staff and there was always parties and it was just pretty much everywhere you know mm-hmm. so yeah there was about a 10-year period from about 85 to about 95 where drugs were sort of prevalent mm-hmm. and pretty much everywhere and kind of like hard to avoid you know mm-hmm. and so uh i was never like a day-to-day or you know it was more of a weekend warrior kind of a thing and i always kind of like tried to offset it by doing something good to myself if i did party hard but uh about eight nine years ago i completely dropped everything and quit drinking and quit doing everything and just uh, what are some i'm sure some really bad things like rick uh and like oh i mean people, yeah i've got yeah. tons of stories i mean i was in chicago one time and i yeah, just give us i like bought a, two, i bought two, a bottle of jack stories, daniels yeah. at a halloween party and i was dressed like jim morrison and i woke up in the middle of the street at four o'clock in the morning oh my i had blacked out drinking the jack daniels oh my god and i guess kept functioning and somehow I woke up in the middle of a downtown street with a oh bottle my in my hand, dressed like Jim Morrison. And uh, I had no idea how I got there. You know, it was crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. And then nobody tried to help you with that? No, nah, I was alone. I didn't know who I... I I'd, gone, of... I'd gone to the party with a few of the com- uh, comedy people from the club. It was an improv club there. And so uh, I just, for some reason, got so drunk on the whiskey that I blacked out literally and then woke up later. And but no, but my whole point is nobody saw, you know, came and tried to, how are you doing, sir? Let me help you, you know? <laughs> I don't know what I had to. I <laughs> you was know, like, so, maybe some old homeless guy. I had to stand there for half an hour to flag down a cab. How are you doing, sir? Can I help you out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, all kinds of stories where you end up. <laughs> all right, you're going you out, know, buddy. Come on, do homeless with me, all right? Or you yeah. end up sleeping with some girl and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you yeah. don't know where you are and. <laughs> You're in a strange city, and you're out in the suburbs somewhere, and you don't have your car, and you got to get a cab. you got to find a way back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, tons of that, tons of that. But that was, you know, the lifestyle of the road. That what was about, a lot uh, of fun. Any, how about any, you never had any health issues? or um... Nothing too serious. I've been lucky that way. Yeah, nothing too serious. No heart attacks or strokes or anything like that. Yeah, because Steve Mazan talked about having cancer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, and, I don't want you know, anything to do with cancer. Through, he got yeah. through that. And other guys, um, uh, you know, Danny McDermott and a couple of other ones, they got stabbed by their girlfriends. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah. So, oh, God. So, no, any major things about relationships or your parents or your brother? Yeah, I've had a few women stab me in the back, but not literally. <laughs> <laughs> Just verbally, not literally. (laughs) A lot of uh, ex-girlfriends that, um, some that I'm still friends with. Uh There's a few that uh, we don't really care for each other anymore, but uh, most of them, I think, yeah, we still can be civil and talk and, you know, it's still okay. Never went to the guy. Uh, some of these guys told me they were into. You know, Rich Scheidner said he was in a car, kind of car crash, almost died, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I know Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's had some Rich, pretty yeah. dramatic things. Like yeah, I've had a couple of car crashes where it's been really bad, but uh, you know, I, I didn't. How did it happen? I broke, Just, uh, you know, broke a, a foot or something like that. But this was early on in the '80s, and mm-hmm. there was much more drunk driving in L.A. You know, it like was you'd get then, broadsided yeah. when you least expect it. You know, huh. I totaled two different cars with the same exact T-bone broadside uh-huh. when somebody ran a light 
and they were drunk, you know? Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Not as much of that now as, uh, as there used to be. Yeah, well, because yeah, because it wasn't uh, major things back then. But I've had a lot of comedians that rode motorcycles that have always. If you ride a motorcycle, you are looking for an accident. Yeah, no kidding. You are gonna get clipped by a car, or you're gonna get a run off the road, or have a a, you know a lay down one way or another. Rick used to ride motorcycles. He laid it down a few times. That's right. On the freeway and on the desert, uh, out in the desert. That's right. Yeah, talked about that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's just inevitable. Wow. Yeah, this producer I just heard about, he produced this movie I was in a while back, was trying to catch up with a group, and he got sucked in under a four-wheeler truck and killed. Really? Yeah. Crazy. In a motorcycle? On a motorcycle, really? yeah. Going up against one of those four-wheelers is not a bright God, idea man. when you're on a little bike, you know? You get sucked up under there. Crazy, man. Yeah, I that. won't ride a motorcycle. I you When I was lie. a kid, I I won't got, even ride a damn Moped. <laughs> I don't need, yeah, I've had moped. friends get moped accidents. Mo- moped scares yeah. me. I, yeah. I remember in the, in the in the Greek islands, um, I was, it was like 20 years ago with me and my brother, and just the Greek islands, you know, and um, um, all of a sudden, it's like out of nowhere, I'm just driving along, and I fell. And a small little small little fall on my Greek, in the Greek islands, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, what happened? And I, would, I just hit my elbow, and I scraped my elbow bad, you know, and my knee bad. It's like almost ruined my whole vacation. <laughs> I it's bet like, it did. I know. It's like, it's, but am I saying, you know, that's just a freaking a moped, <laughs> you know? It's like you can imagine a motorcycle. I know. I don't know what the attraction is. Can we uh, talk about the movies a little bit? Yeah, I was actually going to say that. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Uh, we still got some time left. Oh, okay. So about ten minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was gonna say that um, you know you've gone through had an amazing career and you've gone to all these TV shows and and um, I'll mention a few films that I didn't mention earlier. I'm gonna mention to them now, <laughs> Starship Troopers. That's a big movie. Yeah. Everyone loved that movie. Yeah, everyone loved it. Um, Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. And I told you one of my uh, friends is uh, Danny Woodburn. He plays a uh, little. Oh, the little sh- little guy. He's the guy in the prison. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. him. <laughs> like the gang leader. The gang leader. Yeah. Is, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the little yeah. guy. The gang leader. You know. He's done a lot of work. He's done a lot of stuff. Tons of work. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he works on. He was Mickey in Seinfeld, as you. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's pretty cool. But um, yeah. Tell us about you know you uh you're releasing a film from 30 years ago. Yep. You said uh, Dark Seduction. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple uh, other ones, uh, Night Creep and uh, Midlife, who um, um, came out last year in 2013. This one was done in 1984 and 85. I shot it on 16 millimeter black and white. Huh. And I did it with a partner, Steve Bichart, and we were, you know, just starting out. We didn't really, you know, have a lot of money, but we put together a really good crew and a really great cast, and we shot this detective lesbian vampire film noir and so it it you know it was a little bit ahead of its time as far as the subject matter and the mm-hmm. and the look of it and the and we, it was kind of a parody of a film noir so we tried to finish it steve tried to finish it with his uh, stuff and and it was just not working really well and then we put it on three quarter and i tried to get the cut together and then we both got busy doing other things i had to go back out on the road and uh, steve had to work and 
So it got shuffled around for a long time, and then the film got with a negative cutter, almost got finished in the 90s, and then it got lost. The negative cutter had a stroke and disappeared. No way. Yeah. I went over to the office. I called. Nobody knew where he went. Oh, my God. Nobody had any info. He had my work print and my negative. Oh, man. So that's all. That's he had everything. So 10 years later or eight years later, whatever it was, I woke up in the middle of the morning. I go, I got to find this guy because I want my film back. Right. And so I tracked down the daughter. Mm-hmm. And his daughter tried to find it in his garage mm-hmm. with her with the, her husband, and they couldn't find it anywhere. They tried two or three times. She died. Talk. The guy died. No, it? he was still oh, alive, no, but he couldn't he talk. Just, oh, oh, oh. He had oh, a stroke, and, okay. and he, he couldn't communicate. And he didn't know where it was because they had cleaned out his office for him. Okay. Anyway, I just felt sick that I'd spent so much time and money and effort through the years trying to finish this film. And it was going to be lost forever. Mm. So I called my psychic friend, Tana Marie Richards. Mm. And I said, Tana, is this thing gone forever? Is it lost forever? She said, no, it's in a little cabinet in the corner of the garage down in the bottom shelf or bottom drawer. What? So I had the son-in-law go back over there and look one more time. I begged him to look one more time. And that's exactly where it was. Are you serious? Really? All the reels were in that bottom drawer. Of this cabinet in the corner were exactly where she My said. Gosh, wow. And so he That's brought amazing. it to his work the next day and I ran down there and picked it all up. And I said to the film gods, I said, okay, you gave me my film back. Now I've got to finish it because you right, know, right. I got it all back. So I did the, uh, the following six months, I got the sound open up at this, you know, special sound place. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it was on a digital storage tape from the early nineties, the very first pro tools. And so it was on some kind of an exabyte program that nobody could open up. Right. And so that was another big major obstacle. Wow. But anyway, I got all this done and right, last got year done, got right? it all done and did a new soundtrack, got the sound all mixed it's in black and white. You it's said? in black and white. Okay. Yeah. 16 miller and did a but transfer. I heard you have, you have some other, a lot of good comedians in there. Or something. Yeah. Well, Robert Schimmel, Mark Goldstein. Right. Um, Julie Brown. I don't know if you remember Julie Brown. Da- that, yeah. Not downtown Julie Brown, but the the white girl. Julie I think I Brown. remember her. Yeah, yeah. yeah Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. She did that song. Yeah. And uh, she was an old girlfriend Rick's of mine. Rick's in it too, right? Yeah. Rick Overton is in it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Joe Alasky, who was a great impressionist who just passed away here recently. Oh. He did a lot of cartoon voices for okay. uh, uh, Warner Brothers uh, cartoons and. Um, Oh, gosh. uh, Tyler Horn, who plays the lead detective, Dick Jones. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a part in it. And yeah, it's just a... How long long is it? It's uh, about an hour 20, hour 25. Yeah, it's a good little feature and uh, moves really quickly. And it's got a fun pace to it. And we are having the world premiere at the New Art Theater April 1st at midnight at the New Art Theater. And uh, the New Art has its own uh, website. Just look up New Art Theater, and the tickets are on sale at the link on their website. Okay. Under special attractions. Where's the New Art Theater? Is it Los it's uh, right on Santa Monica Boulevard near the 405. I think it's 11272 Santa Monica. Okay. It's right near the 405 in Santa Monica okay. Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, okay. West yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah, West LA. Yeah. Right on the cusp of uh, Santa Monica mm-hmm. and West LA. Well, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure you know all about that. You know, I, 
Have you anything anything else you're working on besides that? Um, yeah, I'm always working on uh, my next project. I've got about three scripts that are ready to go, and um, I'm uh, you know waiting for a couple of movies. I did a movie called Dug Up, which just got released. Uh, it's on a couple of uh, different uh, pay-per-view channels. Okay. And um, you know, looking to um, to get more okay. acting work and just you know keep pushing forward. Well, we're gonna end the show uh, like I always do, and uh, you know, great thing about doing this show is I learn a lot from you guys. It's amazing, and people need it. It's an inspirational, motivational show, and uh, Rick had some amazing stories, you know, and you know. Give us two minutes uh, really quick of um, your advice to people in the industry or just in general Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, following their dreams. I mean, look what happened to you, man. You made a living at this. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to make a living at this. It is hard, yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do you have to say to our our audience Well, I would say um, the main thing is to find where your true talent is and be honest with yourself. And uh, once you establish that, then keep working on that one particular thing and, and market yourself and promote yourself as that one thing, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, if, whether you're a guitar player. Um, I mean, I am a very diverse fellow. I do a lot of different things, yeah. but I, maybe I would have been a little bit more successful had I focused in on one thing. I mean, I almost made it really big as a stand-up comedian, but I just got burned out on it. You yeah, know, I yeah. got burned out on it. And I think part of the, that was the alcohol and drugs on the road mm. made it difficult to get excited about doing it over mm. and over again and going yeah. that way. And plus, I was more of a club comedian. But I think if you focus in on one thing and really give all your attention and all your concentration on that one, it's easier for people to see you as that one thing and to see you and to, and to hire you as that one thing. Hmm. And uh, don't try to diversify until you get a lot more experience in the business. You know, I mean, I've had 40 years in the business, so I can produce, I can direct, I can write, I can do all those things because I've done all those things over the years and learned the craft. Right. But when you're first starting out, you think you can do all that stuff, but you really don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. You know, you need to focus in on one aspect of the business to really get somewhere in the business as that one thing, whether it's acting or writing or whatever it is, just focus on that one aspect. So you don't think you can do different things? Obviously, I think you can, but I think you need the experience uh, of many, many years in order to do that. Japanese don't let anybody direct until they're in their fifties, you know, at least they used to. I mean, that's different now, but they would have you go through every job on the set before you could direct. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, Greg, we know it's great to have you here. Um, Good to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. You do great stories, you know, as usual. A lot of the comedians have great stories. You did, too. I've never heard of, you know, things with share and, and things like that. So that was really funny. But, oh, also my website is... G- yeah, I was just going to say, go ahead, give your website really quick. Is GT Film Productions with an S, gtfilmproductions.com. Okay. Okay, and if you can go on, if, of course, if you go on YouTube, you can see Greg Travis, and you can do that. So thank you again so much thank for you. everything, and we'll see you guys next week on KCAA. Yeah.